And I pray you'd help us as we do a, a Bible study tonight. Just go verse by verse, chapter by chapter. I pray you'd help us to be able to learn your word and to be, uh, leave here uh, knowing that we've heard from you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for all the good things you do for us. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Okay, when we're there in Acts chapter number 16, and if you look down at verse number 11, the Bible says, Therefore, losing from Troas, we... And, uh, you know, let me... Well, let, let's read it, and then let me point something out to you. It says, We came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. So the Bible tells us, if you remember from last week, uh, they heard that Macedonian call. God decided that Paul, Silas, and Timothy uh, would be better invested in Macedonia, which we know is uh, Greece, which we know is Europe, and God sent them into Europe. And by the way, because of the Macedonian call, I don't know if I said this last week or not, or I don't know if you made this clear, but if you are saved today, and you got saved in the United States of America, you are saved because of the Macedonian call, because Paul heard a vi- saw a vision of someone, God sends him a vision of a Macedonian saying, come over and help us, and then that's when the gospel went into Europe, which uh, led into America, and we're saved tonight because of uh, chapter 16, because Paul was obedient to that vision there. But we know that they went into uh, Macedonia, they went into Greece, and now they're at the city of Philippi. Now, uh, you may have heard of a book, hopefully you've heard of a book of the Bible called the book of Philippians. Paul eventually wrote, you know, and we know the Holy Spirit used the Apostle Paul to write the book of Philippians to the church which is at Philippi. And here in uh, Acts 16, we find when Paul first went on his second missionary journey, but the first time he went to the city of Philippi, and we read here about three different people he met in the city of Philippi, and this is really the beginning stages of that great church in uh, Philippi. Now, something I wanted to point out to you, is uh, there, if you look at verse 10, it says, And after he had seen the vision, immediately, I'd like you to say, it says, We endeavored to go into Macedonia. And later on in the chapter, it continues, it refers to them, uh, the group there that's with, uh, with Paul as we. It talks about, it refers to the group as us. If you look at verse 17, it says, The same followed Paul and us. I'd like you to notice, you know, the narrator of the book of Acts. And we know that God wrote the book of Acts, but he used a man uh, to write it. And we know that that was Luke. Luke was uh, used of the Lord uh, of God to write the book of Acts. Now Luke, if you study the Bible, you know the book of Acts prior to this, uh, you you find him just telling the story. But, but now we hear him... Ref- when he's telling the story, he's referring as, as, as if he was part of it. He says, you know, we went into Macedonia, we went to Philippi, they followed us around, you know, all these things. And I just want you to understand, it's not, it really has not much to do with the sermon, but you need to understand. Luke actually joined into uh, Paul's missionary journey, and that's why when he jumps into the, the story... He begins to refer to as these are the things that happened to us. Before he was just writing about the things that happened to Paul. Now he's including himself because he's actually with them. So just kind of some information there to know about the Bible. Luke, uh, you know, wasn't, you know, obviously is telling us from the beginning, you know, because the book of Acts, we started when the Lord ascended up to heaven, but at this point, he's actually jumped in into the story, and that's why you can read those things there. But I'd like you to know that they're there in Macedonia. 
they, they're there in Philippi. They met three different people in Philippi. And let's go ahead and, and, and get into the, the sermon and all of that. The first person they met, I'd like you to notice, they met a saved woman. They met a saved woman. Look at verse 13. The Bible says, And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. The Bible says prayer was wont to be made. Now, that word want there is... The, the, the word want means where it means like a custom or a habit or a practice. The Bible says that this is a place where prayer was usually done. Okay, this is where people went to pray. Okay, they're going to a prayer meeting. They're going, you know, just like you're at right now. We had a, we had Wednesday night. We just had a prayer meeting. We took prayer requests. We prayed. Now we're having the word of God open. This is exactly where they're headed. They went over to a riverside. Notice. You know, not you know, not necessarily a church building, but they just went to a place where people were gathered, and the Bible says where prayer was wont to be made, where people made a custom or it was a norm to pray there. It was a place where people prayed, and we sat down and spake unto the woman, the women which were resorted hither. Look at verse fourteen, and a certain woman. So we're introduced to a to this woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God heard us. So notice, they prayed and now Paul has been preaching just like we're doing right now. We just had a prayer service, now we're preaching. You know, we, we're following the scriptures. That's what a Bible church does. It allows the Bible to set the, to, to set the pattern of how you do things. And it says, and a certain woman named Lydia seller of purple in the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul, now I'd like you to notice a few things. A lot of people like to say that Lydia got saved. But I'd like you to notice in verse 15 the Bible says that they they like to say that this was Lydia's conversion. I don't believe that and I'll, I'll show you why. Verse 15 the Bible says, And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So a lot of people say, oh, you know, Paul uh, got her saved and got her baptized. But, you know, we ought not add to the Bible. The Bible is very clear about not adding to His Word. God puts curses on people adding to His Word. And the Bible never tells us that she believed, which is a common term that the Bible uses for someone getting saved. It never tells us that, that she received, you know, the Word, which is another way. You know, the Bible uses different terminology. And it says, look, when Paul showed up, she, was a, she worshipped God. The Bible says that he baptized her, but look, if you believe that, ba- that getting baptized is going to get you saved, you're going to die and go to hell. Because baptism is work salvation. Okay, so, you know, obviously, there's nothing wrong with baptizing somebody. We baptize people at our church that didn't get saved here. They got saved somewhere else. You know, we check them out. We ask them about their salvation. And then we baptize them because that's okay to do. You know, he baptized her, yes. But I don't believe that Paul got her saved because there's really no reference. From the moment we meet her, the Bible says she worshipped God. She's listening to the preaching. She's probably already saved and just never been baptized. So Paul baptized her. But I want you to notice what the Bible says. And Lydia is a great character in the Bible. And I want you to notice what made her such a great character. A highlight of Lydia is this. The Bible says, talking about Lydia, verse 14, whose heart the Lord opened. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I would like God to work on my heart. And I would like it to be said of me that the Lord opened my heart. I don't know about you, but I, I would like that. Wouldn't you, what do you want uh, you know, God to know, or, or people to know, or you to know? You know, that God has worked on your heart. God has opened your heart. The last thing you want is your heart to be closed to God. 
to be closed to the Word of God. And you say, well, how, how do we know that her heart was open? Well, look at what the Bible says. Let's just read verse 14 again. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, so she heard the preaching, whose heart the Lord opened. Well, how do we know the Lord, the, that her heart was opened by the Lord? Look at the next phrase. That she attended. So the Bible says her heart was open, and here's what came out of that. Because her heart was opened by the Lord, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. The Bible says that she attended to the things which were spoken uh, of Paul. So when Paul preached the Bible, she attended, or she gave attention to, she listened, she learned. When the Bible says she gave attention, it means she put her focus on it. it means, when it says she attended, it means she learned those things. It means she applied those things. It means she took the things that were taught to her and she brought them into her heart. She made them part of her being. She made them part of who they were. And let me tell you something. A test of whether or not your heart is open to the Lord or close to the Lord is how you respond to the preaching of God's Word. Period. If someone says to me, and I've had this, I, I, this, you know, I, I've been pastoring now for a little bit over a year. And I've had people tell me this so many times. If I had a nickel for every time somebody said this to me, I'd be a rich man. I'd be, I, this house would be paid off. And people, people tell me this all the time. You know, I'll preach on whatever. Any subject. You know, just, and obviously if you've been to, to our services, you know that when we preach the Bible, we preach the Bible. I mean, hey, we'll, on average, we look at 50 different references, you know, on Sunday morning or whatever like that. On, on, in the evening services, we're preaching verse by verse, so every point is the Word of God. But, you know, I'll preach the Bible, and people will come up to me and they'll say something like this. Man, you know, I listened to what you said, and, and the Bible, you know, the Bible is really clear about that. But... I'm just, that's just not for me. Or, or that's, you know, that's just not something I'm, you know, I'm going to do. Or that's not something I like, you know. I, I don't know, you know, about the King James, you know. Or I don't know about, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, it's just any doctrine. I mean, all, you know, I'll preach about prophecy. And people will be like, well, I don't know about that. You know, it's like I proved it from the Bible. But see, you know what that tells me is this. Their heart's closed. Because they've already made their decision. They already know what they believe. They already know what they want to do. And no one's going to change them on that, including the Bible. And that's a wrong attitude. Look, as a pastor, I, I'm still learning things, and I'm wrong about things. And if somebody, if, if anybody here, or any preacher, anyone, can take a King James Bible and show me where I'm wrong about anything, I'll correct it. Because I want my heart to be open to the Word of God, to the Lord. And the beautiful thing about this woman is, it's interesting, it's not a coincidence that God says this. He says her heart was opened, her, her heart the Lord opened, how do we know that? She attended unto the things which were spoken. And if you ever have, if you ever find yourself, you know, and obviously, you know, you know yourself, you know, if you ever find yourself, you know, like the, the Word of God's being preached, something is said, and you're just kind of in yourself, you're just like, mm, I don't care if the Bible says that, I'm not doing it. I'm just telling you right now, that's a big red flag right there. Your heart is closed to the Word of God. Because the Bible says when her heart was open, then she was able to attend unto the things that were uh, spoken. Look at verse 15. And when, when she was baptized, and her household, so she was obedient, she got baptized. You know, sometimes people say, well, I'm saved, but I don't want to get baptized. And I tell people, if you don't want to get baptized, hey, you're still saved. But that lets us know, you don't want to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. You don't want to, because the first thing that God commands a, a believer to do is to get baptized. So if you don't want to follow the first step, 
you know, you're already starting off on a wrong path. So she, we see there her heart, her willingness. She wants to learn the Bible. She wants to get baptized. The Bible says when she was uh, baptized her in her household, she besought us saying, look what she says. If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord. Well, how do we judge you if you're faithful to the Lord? How are you responding to the Word of God? Period. Come in unto my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And if you notice at the end, of, you say, well, was she faithful? Well, look, look, just skip down and we're going you know, to go through the verses. But skip down to the last verse of chapter uh, 16. The Bible says, And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. So she said, hey, if you judge me faithful, stay with my house. The Bible says, Paul said, she, or Luke said about Paul, that she constrained us. And then at the end of the chapter, they're staying with Lydia. So they must have found her faithful. How did they find her faithful? Because her heart was open unto the Lord. How do we know that? Because she attended to the Word. You must, you know, the point of church is yes, and, and we emphasize this a lot, and I'm not ashamed of it. One of the things about church that we're trying to do is teach you the Bible. When I preach a sermon, I want you to leave here knowing something more than you did before. It's knowledge, okay? Churches today are all about emotion. You know, the music, oh, just the music just made me feel so spiritual. You, you know, you, and, and I'm going to preach on music, a sermon here on music very soon. But let me tell you something. You know that the devil in heaven, when he was an, you know, you, you may or may not know this, but the devil was an angel before he got thrown out of heaven. And he was the angel who was in charge of music. In fact, the Bible says that his body is a musical instrument. And, 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 you know, I'll preach on that, you know, you come on Sunday morning and you'll get that in one of my topical sermons. But, you know, the Bible tells us that, that his body was literally a musical. He makes music in his own body, okay? The devil uses music and the devil, you know, and all these people think, oh, well, the music, you know, it makes me feel so... And that's what church is all about today. They're not about the Word of God. They're not about, you know, being taught the Bible and leaving with knowledge and doing it. They're just about having some sort of an emotional experience. Let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong with, you know, having an emotional experience. Praise the Lord for that. But emotional experience, your heart, the Bible says, is deceitful. It's wicked. It'll lie to you. You need to know the Bible. When the emotion is gone, the Bible will still stand. When the song is done that brought the tear to your eye, the Word of God will still stand. Let me tell you something. When you're going through those trials, through those tribulations, through those, all those different things that you go through, that emotion is not going to get you through. But you know what, Will? This book right here. And that's why you need to know the Bible, understand the Bible. But let me say this. It does nothing at all. Absolutely nothing. If you learn a lot of Bible and never apply it in your heart. That's it. You've got to apply the Word of God. You know, people, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it, 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 you know, think of it, in a, and I'm not trying to be rude, so, you know, please understand me, but think of it in a physical way. Think, think about somebody who just, you know, eats all day. All day they're eating. But they never get up and they never exercise and never do activity. That's not a healthy person. And, you know, we got these Christians sitting around just, I want to learn the Bible. I want to know the Bible. I want to, but then you never want to do something with it. You're going to become an unhealthy Christian. Look, I'm all about learning the Bible, reading the Bible, memorizing the Bible, coming to Bible study, learning the Word of God. But if you don't let it sink down in your heart and then you do something about it, you're going to become a very unhealthy Christian. If you want to be found faithful, you've got to attend. You've got to give attention to. You've got to give time. And that's a great thing there about, uh, about Lydia, uh, that, that she, her heart was opened to the things of God. But, you know, I, I, like to, I told you we met there three different people in Philippi. First person we met was a saved woman. The second person we met 
was a satanic damsel. Satanic damsel. Look at verse 16. Acts 16, look at verse 16. The Bible says, And it came to pass, as we... Notice, do, do you notice how that, that change has happened there? Now, he's talking about as if he's part of this, you know, this story. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel... Notice what it says. Possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Now, I'd like you to notice a few things. We just met Lydia, right? A saved woman. And now we were just introduced to the satanic damsel. But I'd like you to see there are some similarities in the Bible. I just can't get past them. I'd like you to see there are some similarities to the saved woman and the satanic damsel. Lydia and this, and this uh, damsel. By the way, the word damsel in the Bible just means a young girl or a young lady. Okay? But I'd like you to notice a few things. First of all, Lydia and this damsel are both living in Philippi. Obviously. They're both living there. But not only that, I'd like you to see, when we were introduced to Lydia, do you notice how prayer was mentioned? Verse 13, And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by the riverside, where prayer was wont to be made. And before we were introduced to the satanic damsel, the Bible says in verse 16, And it came to pass as we went to prayer. Do you see that? It's very interesting. Do you notice how Lydia, in verse 14, is, is introduced to us as a certain woman named Lydia? And this young girl in verse 16, and it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel. You know, the Bible doesn't do things by coincidence. God is obviously trying to show us a contrast of these two girls. Not only that, but look at verse uh, 14 for Lydia. And a certain woman named Lydia, look at the Bible. The Bible mentions to us what Lydia does for a living. A seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira. Look at verse 16. The Bible tells us what this girl does for a living. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Do you see that? God is developing a contrast here. We have a certain woman. We have a certain damsel. They both live in Philippi. One is a seller of purple. One is a seller of divination. She makes a lot of money by uh, doing divinations and soothsaying. Not only that, but they both spend a lot of time with the Apostle Paul. Look at, uh, look at verse uh, 14 for Lydia again. And a certain woman in the... I'm sorry, not, not for, uh, 14, but look at 15. And when she would baptize in her household, this is Lydia, she besought us, saying, I, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So she was saying, hey, abide with us. She constrained them. She made them spend time with them. Look at this young lady... Look at verse 17, talking about the damsel. The same followed Paul and us. So she followed them around. And cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. Do you see that? So both this young girl, who's possessed of a devil, she's got a spirit of divination, she's demon-possessed, and Lydia, the Bible is very careful to give us similarities. They both lived in Philippi. They're both, you know, females. One's introduced as a certain woman. The other one's introduced as a certain damsel, which is a young woman or a young lady. We're told what they both do for a living. One sells purple. One does uh, fortune telling and soothsaying and divination. They tell us they both spend a lot of time with the Apostle Paul. But I like you say, well, what's the major difference between 
Someone who's saved and someone who's satanic. Well, I'd like you to notice this. The Bible says in verse 14, I know we've been reading these verses a lot, but just look at it. The Bible says that a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God. Okay? Now, when you worship God, the word worship literally means to bow your knee. Okay? That's what the Bible says. And we've been, I've proved that from the Bible before. You do a study of worship. Go home and get a, a concordance. Look up the word. Every time the, every time the word worship comes up in the Bible, you always find them, people on their knees, prostrate, praying before God. It's not the worship service of today, all these churches. Worship service where they all raise their hands and they're having a rock concert in the name of Jesus. That's not worship. Okay? Worship is submitting yourself, lowering yourself under the presence of God. That's what the Bible says. This Lydia worshipped, okay, God. So in order to worship God, number one, you got to acknowledge God. Then you got to submit yourself to God and understand that He is God. But look at what this young girl does. Look at verse 17. The same followed Paul and us and cried. Now keep in mind, this is a demon-possessed girl saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Now doesn't that sound pretty good? I mean, that sounds like something a Christian would say. She's looking at the Apostle Paul at Silas and Timothy. She's saying, hey, these are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. Nothing that she said was wrong. But here's the difference between a saved individual and a satanic individual, is that one acknowledged God, the other worshipped God. Period. She acknowledges who God is, but you notice we never see her worshiping God. And we never, even after Paul removes the demon, we never hear about her getting saved. People who acknowledge God, but don't submit to God, you can be demon-possessing to them. It doesn't mean, and by the way, let me say this, just because someone says the right things, oh yeah, I don't know, they, they said they're Christians. They said, you know, they said, you know, I saw the little bumper sticker, it said God is their co-pilot. Hey, look, just because somebody talks the talk doesn't necessarily mean they've got the right spirit. The Bible says this girl was demon-possessed, and she's following them, screaming and yelling, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. But, but it goes back, you know, let me pick on this music thing. It goes back to this music. People think you can take the rock and roll garbage of the world, the drug-smoking, alcohol-drinking trash that comes out of this world, and just, well, let's just take the same music, the same genre, and just add the name of Jesus to it, and it'll be okay. Hey, demons do that. So don't just think, oh, well, you know, that song, you know, I heard it uh, mention Jesus. So it must be a good song. It's not necessarily true. Don't be fooled. You know, not everybody who, who calls the name of Jesus is saved. The Bible says, in that day, talking about the day of judgment, Jesus said, in that day, many shall say, Lord, did we not prophesy in Lord, did we not cast out them? Lord, did we not do many mighty works? And the Bible says, Jesus said, and I will say unto them, depart from me, I never knew you. So just because they talk the talk doesn't mean they're good. And the Bible says this girl was demon possessed, but she sounded good. Man, she sounded like a preacher. These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Look at verse 18. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, so Paul's just like getting annoyed with this girl, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And by the way, let me say this. 
The Bible said, before we move on from this girl, the Bible says in verse 16, And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit. Notice what it says. She was possessed with a spirit of divination. Met us. Which brought her masters much gain. So she made a whole lot of money. How did she do it? By soothsaying. Now that word divination and soothsaying, they mean the same thing. They're talking about someone who's foretelling the future. Okay? And let me tell you right now, these fortune tellers, these palm readers, these horoscopes, all this telling you the future, telling you, you know, what's going to happen, all of that garbage is demon, satanic, it's wrong, and no Christian ought to get any, ten feet close to that stuff. That's bad stuff. The Bible says, in the Bible you find witches. You know, people say, oh, witches aren't real. They're just, look, and the Bible says, talks about witches. In the book of Leviticus, God said, if you find a witch, you are to put her to death. Obviously, that was the nation of Israel and their laws. We live in the United States of America. I'm not saying we ought to do that. But I'm saying right now, God put the death penalty on witchcraft. And we find here this young girl, she's, just got, she's got a palm reading shop. She's a fortune teller. And she's filled with a demon, with a devil. And she's just making money doing this. Let me tell you something. It's, it's not okay. Witchcraft and all of this worshiping of death, worshiping of uh, magic and all that stuff is not a Christian's. You know, you ought to go home and get rid of your Harry Potter movies and your all your vampire movies and all your everything. The Bible says, you know, they that uh, hate me love death is what the Bible says. And, and these, you know, these gothic, loving death, loving horror, massacre this, and killing that movie, that's a bunch of trash. It's satanic, it's what it is. And if you don't like it, well, show me, show me in the Bible where some, someone's doing it and they're not demon for this. Or they're not a witch and into witchcraft. It's bad stuff. So don't, you know, as a Christian, you ought not be reading the horoscopes. And I'm going to see my sign. So I can see if I'm going to have a good day. And why don't you just trust God that you're going to have a good day? And if you don't have a good day, why don't you just trust God anyway? And just say, hey, it's in God's hands. But uh, look at verse number 19. And when her master saw... And by the way, let me say this too. Just say, None of these are in my notes, but... Notice that the Bible says that a certain woman named Lydia, the saved, but about the damsel, we never find her name. Never. It just says a certain damsel. And then you look at verse 19, she gets a demon cast out of her. I mean, praise the Lord. Right? Look at, look at what her master said. Look at verse 19. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone. Because she could only foretell the future because she was demon-possessed. You say, Father Man, do you believe that people can foretell the future? Yeah, if they're possessed with a demon. Because guess what? Human beings can't do that. You know, obviously in the Bible, men prophesied when the Holy Ghost came upon them. But these other people that are prophesying and the Holy Ghost upon them, it's because they've got another spirit on them. It's not the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says when they saw that the gains, uh, that the hope of their gains was gone. So their business was ruined. Because this girl doesn't have a demon anymore. So she can't foretell the future. And they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. And I want you to notice this. The Bible says about the saved woman, a certain woman named Lydia. But the Bible tells about this young girl, a certain damsel, we never find her name. And let me tell you something, you know what that tells me is this. The world does not value the individual. All they cared was that she was making them money. And let me tell you, you young girls, especially, you know, back there, listen up right now. You better understand this. The world is only interested in what they can get out of you, not exactly who you are as an individual. God's people, we're told their, their name, we're told Lydia, she's a great woman, we're told, this girl, we're just told, 
Christ is met and they use her for profit gain. And the world is using people, the world, you know, all these boys want to, uh, you know, take these girls on dates and, and kiss them and hug them and all that. They're not interested in you as an individual. They're interested in what they can get out of you. And you know, you, and these girls, you say you shouldn't be preaching like this. Well, look, I'm going to brainwash these kids right now to be righteous before the television gets to them and Hollywood gets to them and Harry Potter gets to them. But let me tell you something. You have your pastor's permission. If some boy, girls, tries to put his dirty little fingers on, on you, you got my permission to punch him in his fat nose and tell him to keep his hands off you. Because look, and these girls, are, I, I never understand, believe me, how these people can be so dumb. They say, oh, no, 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 he really loves, he loves me. He's interested in, in me. He probably doesn't even remember your name. <laughs> he just says, oh, that's a damsel. That's what the Bible says. They didn't even, no name mentioned. They're not interested in the individual. But God's people are. Did you see that? A certain woman named Lydia. But when we introduce the girl, it's just a certain damsel. She's possessed with the spirit. That's all we really care. She can make us money. Look at verse 19. And when her master saw, and if you get in trouble because you punched the guy in the face, I don't know what to tell you. And when her master saw that the hope of their games was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. And this is what the world always says. I mean, think about what Paul and Silas just did. They took a demon-possessed girl and cast the devil out of her. And they're accusing them of troubling our city. They're causing trouble. And that's what, let me tell you right now, that's what the world does. I remember my wife got saved. My wife, you know, she was 16. She was just a normal teenager. Worldly teenager, just doing whatever. You know, and uh, my wife and I, we met, we were 16, we were working, working at Subway. And we are just teenagers. You know, and uh, I reached for the lettuce, and she reached at the same time, and our hands touched, and it was just love at first sight, and I'm just <laughs> But I remember, you know, my, my, I'm just joking. But my wife, uh, my wife, I'm just kidding, then she punched me in the nose. No, 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 no. So, but let me say this, you know, my wife, my wife, I met her, she was smart, she was smart, she was 16, 17, graduated early. Uh, from high school, she was in college, taking an anthropology class, and they turned her uh, into, you know, she was, she was going through a phase where she was like an atheist. And, and she met me, and we started talking, you know, and I was, hey, I, you know, I was a believer. And we're talking about, we, for three months, we just discussed, like, evolution, and, and I was preaching the gospel to her, getting her saved. It took three months, she got saved. And she got saved, started coming to church, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Wednesday night, by the way. And there, nobody was bribing her with a free meal. She was just doing it because she loved God. <laughs> she started reading her Bible. Read, read the entire book of Revelations in, in, in one evening. Just, you know, her family would just be in, in there watching TV or whatever. She'd just be reading her Bible, praying. She started going so away, knocking on doors. She started, she got rid of all her pants. Because she didn't want to, you know, dress like a man. Because the Bible says that, that women aren't supposed to wear pants in Leviticus. So she got rid of all her pants. Well, guess what her family said? Are you in a cult? Now, where's the thing I said? You're going to a Baptist church, opening the Word of God, preaching the Bible. And, but see, this is what always happens. And my whole life, since then, I learned one thing, and it's happened every time. I, ministries I've been a part of, we, we get people saved, they get off of drugs, they get off of alcohol, they, they, they go back home to their to their shop. They get, you know, they, they, they work, they, they fix their and their family, instead of saying, hey man, praise the Lord that somebody cast that demon out of you, they're saying, what? What are you doing? Why aren't you drinking with us? Why aren't you smoking pot? And why are you working 
They're troubling our city. We've got to put a stop to this. It's the truth. And you better be ready for it. You start living for God and just be ready for people to say, you're in a cult? Because you're going to Wednesday night Bible study? Good night. I mean, a cult is like drinking Kool-Aid with poison in it. It's not reading the Bible. But look at verse 21. They said, And teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. Look at verse 22. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates and the, the magistrates rent off their clothes. So they took the clothes off of Paul, Silas, and them, and commanded to beat them. So they started beating them. And when they had laid many stripes, okay, so they're like beating them with a whip. And the Bible says many stripes. The Bible doesn't exaggerate. If it was many stripes, it was many stripes. They had laid many stripes upon them. They cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. And here we, met, we meet the third character in Philippi. First we met the saved woman. Second we met the satanic damsel. Third we meet the secular jailer. They cast them into prison. They beat them. Whipped them. Cast them into prison. They charged the jailer to keep them safely. Look at verse 24. Who having received such a charge, so they, they wasn't just a normal, they're like, make sure these people, you know, they don't get away. And when he heard that charge, he thrust them into the inner prison. So he like puts them like deepest place of the dungeon he can put them in. And made their feet fast and soft. So he locks up their feet. He puts them, what's that called when they put you like away from all the, uh, what's that called? Solitary. They put them in solitary. They put their, their, on their, on their feet. No, I mean, they're, they're serious about this. Look at verse 25. Now, before, don't even read some verse 25. And some of you are already reading it. You're going ahead. But let me ask you, how would you react after this? I mean, think about this. They, someone takes you, they rip your clothes off, they take a whip, and they whip you. Don't, you know, understand, these are real people. The Bible says stripes. The, the word, when the Bible uses the word stripes, that means that that whip, when they would whip these men, they would, they would, they would uh, you know, take a whip and they would whip them on their back. That whip would literally just come across their back and their chest. And then it would have, usually it would have little uh, things like glass or different things that, that would, stick, so it would stick to their skin. And then as they would rip that whip back, it would rip your flesh off, which left many stripes. I mean, they got a real beat. Most of us would be quitting. Man, forget this. I'm going back home. But look at verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Isn't that an amazing verse? I mean, we would be down, we would be mad. God, why are you doing this? The Bible says these men, they were praying and they were singing praises. And I don't think they were singing praises. I don't think, I mean, they were singing praises. You know, I don't think they were sitting there saying, oh, you know, just some quiet song. I think they were singing, to God be the glory, great things he hath done. I think that's what they were singing. I think they were singing, you know, great songs. And they, hey, praise the Lord. And revive us again and all those things. You know, they, they had this attitude they were just singing. The Bible says all the prisoners and let me tell you something. As we go through trials, and I'm not trying to minimize your trials or your problems, because I know we, we all have to deal with different things in life, and I understand that. But this, you know, these Bible characters, and Joseph as we're turning on, on Sunday nights, and Paul and Silas, and all you ever they ought to put us to shame that we complain about the things we complain about. 
we get mad at God about the things that, that you know, happen. I literally heard of a couple who quit church because they heard of some, like, neighbor kid getting a disease. And they're, like, it wasn't even their kid. And they're like, how would God do that? It's like, look, you know, obviously we all go through trials and tribulations. Read the book of Job. Okay, things happen. But how do you respond to them? How are you prepared to deal with the beatings that are going to come in life? Are you, you know, most of us just react. You ought not react. You ought to be ready to respond. I think Paul, you know, I've heard this joke before, I think it's funny. But every time Paul walked into the first place he went, he went to the prison. Just checked out the prison. Because he figured, hey, I'm going to be there in a few days anyway. Because everywhere he is, he's just getting thrown in prison. And I think he was just mentally prepared. Hey, I mean, if you've been with us on, on Wednesday nights, you know that he already got stoned to the point where they thought he was dead. You know, he got, they threw rocks at him until they, they thought he was dead. So, you know, he, he was already prepared for this. But you just got to, we, we got to understand that, you know, the worst day that you have as a Christian is better than the best day that an unsafe person has. Because you know, at the end of the day, at the end of your life, you get to go to heaven, and no matter how nice their life was, they're going to die and go to hell if they've rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. So we ought to have a good attitude as we go through things and trials. And I love it. These men, they just got beat with many stripes, the Bible says, and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Look at verse 26. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake. Here we see the providence of God. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loose. So please understand this. There's an earthquake, and every gate opens up. And everybody who was, who, who was uh, you know, uh, bound, they're loose now. Not just Paul and Silas, but all the prisoners. Look at verse 27. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had, fled, had been fled. Because in those days, and, and history tells us that in Rome, if you were given a charge of taking care of a prisoner, if that prisoner got away, your, your life paid for theirs. So he's like, man, all these prisoners are going to leave, you know, because he saw the gates open, he saw the ramp, and he's like, I'm not going to wait until they come, I'm just going to kill myself. Because this is bad. Look at verse 28. And you, you thought the earthquake was a great miracle where God opened all the gates and all the bands were loose? Look at verse 28. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm. Here's the real miracle. For we are all here. All these prison inmates actually stayed. Can you believe that? I mean, think if that happened today. But that was a miracle right there. Just that they all stayed. Verse 29. Then he called for a light. Can you imagine that? In this prison, prison guard. There's an earthquake. Everybody in your prison. I mean, all it takes is one person to get away for you to lose your life. All these prisoners, their gates are open, they're loose. They're able to get free, and they all stay. And he called for a light, the Bible says, verse 29, and sprang in. The Bible says, and came trembling. You know what it takes to make a grown man tremble? Especially a soldier. He came trembling. 
and fell down before, before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, and I want you to notice this question, it's a very specific question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now look, you know, my whole life, I, and I'm not saying this is wrong, I've been taught that he was talking about salvation, spiritual salvation. And, and I'm not saying that's wrong, I tend to believe that. You know, somebody recently was telling me something, I thought that might be, he might have been talking physically. I mean, keep in mind, this, they, didn't keep, they didn't treat prisoners very nice in those days. And now he's in a prison, and all the prisoners are loose. He might be talking about physically, I mean, he might just be scared physically, like, what are these people going to do? But he asks a very specific question. He says, what must I do to be saved? Look at verse 31. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. In thy house. Now look, I don't understand what's so hard about that. I don't get it. All of these churches want to add something to salvation other than this. You say, what must I do to be saved? Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He might have been asking about physically, but Paul, you know, if he was playing, you know, with the words, whatever, but he was talking about spiritually, and when he said, what must I do to be saved? He said, and thou shalt be saved. Go with me to, go, go with me to um, John. Let's go to John quickly. Let's do it fast. i got a few minutes. You know, if you can keep up with me, let's do it. But if you can't, look at John chapter 1, look at verse number 7. The Bible says, The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might, what does it say? Believe. Look at verse 12. But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Oh, I thought we were all the children of God. No. Only certain people get the power to become the sons of God. How? Even to them that believe on His name. Do you see that? Go to uh, John chapter number 3. Look at verse 15. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Look at verse 16. Most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, what does it say? Believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Look at verse uh, 18. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. How do you get not condemned? By believing. But he that believeth not is condemned already. How do you get condemned? By believing not. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Look at verse 36, same chapter. He that, what's it say? Believeth on the Son. Verse 36, chapter 3. Hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Go to John chapter 4, look at verse 42. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Look at uh, John chapter number 5, look at verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent him, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Look at verse 38. And ye have not, and ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent him, ye believed not. Look at verse uh, 29 of the next chapter. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God. You want to work your way to heaven? Here's how you do it. That ye believe on Him whom He hath sent. Look at verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Look at verse 40. And this is the will of Him 
that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Look at verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on Me hath everlasting life. Go to uh, verse 69. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Go to chapter 7, verse 38. He that believeth on Me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Look at verse 39. But this spake He of the Spirit, which they that, what's it say? Believe, believe on Him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Go to uh, John chapter number 8, look at verse 24. I said therefore unto you, that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. Go to uh, John chapter number 9, look at verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast Him out, and when He had found Him, He said unto them, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is He, Lord, that I may believe on Him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen Him, and it is He that talketh with thee. And He said, Lord, I believe that He, and he worshipped Him. Look at uh, John 10, look at verse 26. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Look at verse 37. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works that ye may know, and believe that the Father is in me, and I in Him. Look at verse 25. Next chapter. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Look at verse 40. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Look at verse 42. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Look at verse, uh, chapter 12, look at verse 36. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide themselves from the Look at verse 39. Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again. Look at verse 44. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. Look at verse 46. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Have I made my point? Or do you want me to keep going? Because I can do this all night. The Bible... You have these religions that want to add works to salvation. And I just don't understand how people who can say, Hey, God is good. Hey, these are the servants of the Most High God are still preaching on works salvation. I just assume that they're demon possessed. Because they sure sound good, but they're preaching the wrong gospel. Please answer me why the Pentecostals tell you you got to get baptized to be saved. Can somebody explain to me why the Pentecostals tell you that you got to speak in tongues to be saved? Where in the Bible did it say that you have to do anything other than believe? Where does it say you got to get baptized? Why do the Catholics think you got to baptize a baby just to make sure that if they die, they'll go to heaven? Because baptism is part of salvation. Show me that in the Bible. Show me that, uh, you know, all these Protestants, these Southern Baptists that say you got to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And if He's not the Lord of your life, if He's not the boss... You're not saved. These, these other Baptists who say you got to get, you know, repent of your sins. Show me that in the Bible. Please. I just got done going through like 15 chapters showing you believe, believe, believe. And if you don't believe me, I can do it for the next 30 minutes. All throughout the Bible. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet every other religion in America is trying to add works to salvation, saying you got to repent of your sin, you got to make Him Lord of your life, you got to get this feeling, you got to speak in tongues, you got to 
assume they're demon-possessed because they sound good. Just like that satanic damsel. You say, what, what, is, what is salvation? It can be wrapped up in this one word. I don't know if you caught it. Maybe I didn't make my point. Believe. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Period. Oh, uh, well, do I have to get baptized? Well, look, getting baptized is a good thing. It's not going to save you. Not to repent of my sins? Well, look, there are some sins you should repent of, but that's not going to save you. Do I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life? That'd probably be a good thing to do. But that's not going to save you. Believe. They said, believe. Verse 31, Acts 16. They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And notice what it said. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night. I, I, let me just make this point, we'll be done. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized. Notice, he was baptized the same hour of the night. Now, do you remember what hour it was? Who was paying attention? It was midnight. They, he got saved at midnight, and the Bible says the same hour he was baptized. He and all his... Straightway. You know what the word straightway means? It means immediately. Say, Pastor Jimenez, I, I just believed. I just got saved. I just rejected works salvation and believed and put my faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'd like to get baptized. Well, this is what the Irish says. Well, we're going to put you through a 13 weeks uh, baptismal class. Uh, it's really Protestant catechism is what it is. And, uh, and, and then we'll baptize you. Is that spiritual? Is that biblical? When should you get baptized? As soon as possible. After salvation. Even if it's midnight, even the same hour, just do it as soon as possible. That's scriptural. See, that goes against everything I've ever been taught. Every church I've ever been to. Well, maybe you've just never been to a scriptural church. Because the Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And after you believe, hey, get baptized. As soon as possible. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your uh, Bible. And thank you, Lord, for allowing us to uh, be able to go through it. Lord, I, I'm amazed. I mean, if, if people do not know the truth after coming to a church like this, it's because their heart is not open. It's because they don't want to know the truth. Because your Bible is clear. Your word is clear. But I pray you'd help everybody here, including myself, to be the type of Christian that would attend unto the things that are spoken, that would give attention to the Bible being preached, so that it could be known of us that our hearts have been opened by the Lord. We love you, Father, in your precious name I pray. Amen.